Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the mini-series on rumors and gossip at the Tudor Court. I'm Lacey Bonar-Hall, and today I'll be chatting with two fantastic guests about rumors surrounding the Virgin Queen, Elizabeth I. My first guest is Dr. Joanne Paul, a historian, writer, and broadcaster who works on the cultural, political, and intellectual history of the Tudor and Stuart periods. She's published books on Thomas More and the counselors in the Tudor and Stuart courts. And her latest book, The House of Dudley, takes the reader through three generations of the scandalous Dudley family. My second guest is Dr. Linda Porter, a Tudor and Stuart historian who has written five critically acclaimed books on Mary I, Catherine Parr, the rivalry between the Tudors and the Stuarts, the children of Charles I, and the mistresses of Charles II. She is currently writing a biography of Henry VIII's elder sister, Margaret Tudor, Queen of Scots. She was the historical consultant on Lucy Worsley's popular series, Six Wives, and on the more recent documentary, The Bolins. She lives in Kent, not far from Hever Castle, where she strolled in the beautiful Rose Garden just a few hours ago. Listen in as Joanne and Linda discuss some of the salacious rumors and court gossip that concerned one of England's most illustrious monarchs. Okay. Hi, Joanne and Linda. I hope you're both doing well. I'm really excited to be chatting with you both about rumors regarding Elizabeth I. So we have five questions. The first two for you, Joanne, the second two for you, Linda. And then the last one, I'm just going to open the floor for discussion. So since we have a decent amount of ground to cover, I think let's just go ahead and jump right in. So first, Joanne, I'm sure when most of us think about Elizabeth I, we think of her as the Virgin Queen, but it seems that not everyone agrees with that assessment. So were there any rumors at the Elizabethan court about the Queen's sexual experiences, maybe something with her great favorite, Robert Dudley? Yeah, great, great question. And one that comes up fairly frequently. I mean, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Uh, It's especially wonderful to be here um, with Professor Linda Porter, um, of whom I am a great admirer. So this is fantastic. Um, You just promoted me, Joanne. I've never actually been a professor, but I am a doctor. (laughs) I was was an associate professor when I lived in New York. So I guess it's not totally inaccurate. Yeah, there there you go. I mean, so, certainly I've, I've been spending time with Canadian students the last few days for whom everyone is a professor. So <laughs> um, as, as maybe they should be. Anyway, yes, the uh, so-called Virgin Queen. Absolutely. There were rumors circulating 
fairly soon after she came to the throne that uh, she may have been living in uh, a dishonor um, and it might have had something to do with her master of the horse, um, who is, of course, Robert Dudley, her great favorite, as you said. Ambassadors, their accounts sort of fall into um, two categories, either those that were convinced um, that she was having a physical love affair with Robert and those that were convinced that um, she was she was absolutely chaste and nothing at all was going on. What I think uh, is even more interesting than the rumors um, is the little bits of evidence that we find sometimes um, that might lead us as historians one way or another. Certainly, uh, Henry Sidney, Robert Dudley's brother-in-law, uh, talks about them as having a love affair. What we, whether we think that is physical or not, is is certainly up up to our own interpretation. Um, and the ambassador that he's speaking to at the time, the Spanish ambassador, uh, says that he's heard such things that he dare not write two lines of it <laughs> to his king. Um, one assumes because it might be smutty. Um, <laughs> accounts show them dining together, gifts being exchanged. Um, certainly they were very, very close. Um, Elizabeth's own response to these sorts of suggestions um, isn't as convincing as we might think it would be when it's brought to her by Kate Ashley, or sorry, Kat Ashley, her, her um, close friend, really. She, she suggests that, uh, well, it isn't possible because everyone's watching her all the time, but even if it were possible, she could do what she likes. <laughs> um, and so we get this sense of her sort of protesting too much. And when she's dying or potentially dying, um, she of course doesn't die of smallpox, but when she is um, potentially dying of smallpox, um, she says that nothing um, dishonorable has ever happened between her and Robert, but she does, does give 500 pounds to the groom who sleeps in his chamber. <laughs> um, so we have all this sort of very confusing information. I mean, I guess what, what I think is important about these rumors is their effect right? Um, the way in which it prompts everyone to keep an eye on her. Um, what they tell us too about the importance of the queen's body um, mm -hmm. and who has access to the queen's body. Um, the sort of jealous rumors about them kissing are, is not just about people speculating whether uh, they did or didn't, but is because that sort of physical proximity means power. And so there's a concern about Robert Dudley's closeness to the queen's body in terms of that being the source of, of power. Um, and of course, it tells us a great deal about the relationship, that there was a close relationship between Robert and Elizabeth, even if we can't work out exactly what happened between them. Wow, that is, that is fascinating. I, I mean, I think that the primary source evidence that you just quoted is it's really really interesting and and gives us a lot to think about it also kind of leads into the second question that I had for you Joanne so what do you make of the modern rumors about Elizabeth concealing a pregnancy and birth so this is something that people like to talk about um, with Elizabeth this possibility so is is this just a modern rumor or is this something that was talked about at all in the 16th century too? 
Yeah, this is another one that I've gotten a few times and I really appreciate you asking me it again because I think in the past I've kind of sidestepped it <laughs> and, and uh, not been that willing to engage with it. Um, but I think it is, it is worth our talking about even if I think um, that the rumor is unfounded. Um, certainly at the time um, in the sort of the 1560s in particular, when there were a lot of rumors about Elizabeth and Robert Dudley, um, there was all sorts of speculation that they'd secretly married. I haven't seen a report from the time that suggests a hidden pregnancy, but certainly by the time you get to the 1580s, we do have a story of someone who claims to have been that love child. And this is the story of Arthur Dudley, which I have avoided talking about. I don't know why, <laughs> um, but I've avoided talking about this entire time. Um, so this Arthur Dudley is uh, a person who washes up essentially after claiming a, a shipwreck in, in Spain. He gets as far as, as the Spanish court um, telling a story that uh, he is the secret love child between Elizabeth and Robert Dudley. Um, based on this report, it's very, very detailed, the story he tells about his life. Um, he certainly knew his facts. Um, and uh, in a way, all of it would indeed check out in terms of um, who he says he was with and when and everything else. And his date of birth would have been somewhere in the summer of 1561 when these rumors were at their height and shortly after the death of Robert's first wife, uh, Amy Robsart, when if Elizabeth had been pregnant, they wouldn't have been able to marry because Robert was implicated in his wife's death. So all of that makes Arthur Dudley's uh, story plausible. However, <laughs> what makes it uh, less than plausible is that Elizabeth, of course, would have had to hide not only her pregnancy, but the childbirth itself and the effects of that childbirth. And for that to have happened without anybody leaving us a source um, and remarking on it is, is unlikely in the extreme. We know that there were women who hid pregnancies up until the, the eighth, um, ninth months. Um, Catherine Gray, for instance, um, hides her pregnancy successfully, you know, right up to the end. But not as many people were staring at Catherine Gray <laughs> as they were Elizabeth I. Um, and then to actually give birth and, and for that child to go unnoticed by all of these people spinning these rumors is, is very, very unlikely. So I, I side very much with um, Sarah Grustwood has written an analysis of, of the Arthur Dudley story um, that uh, he was almost certainly an imposter and may have even been an agent of, of the English court itself, um, that he was probably coached up um, by Walsingham and maybe even Robert Dudley. That's why his facts all check out. And he was there essentially as a spy. Well, that, I mean, just that, that should be a, an entire podcast series all on its own, Joanne. That is so interesting. I feel like there are just so many layers uh, to, to peel back with that story. And like you said, you know, it, it would be difficult to be someone who's in the public eye so much, um, like, like Elizabeth I, to try and conceal a pregnancy like some other women were able to do who, you know, could maybe escape to a country home for, for two or three months uh, during the height of pregnancy and childbirth in the postpartum period. But that is, that's really fascinating. Uh, and thank you for giving us, you know, a little bit of insight into 
how this rumor might have circulated and might have even been used to the advantage of some people at court, or at least attempted to be used by some of them um, through, you know, this, this person that, that shows up. So we're going to shift gears a little bit. And I have a couple questions for you, Linda. And this is about a relationship that we know existed, but that maybe we don't know uh, the exact details of. So does the popular depiction of Mary Queen of Scots longing for a relationship with Queen Elizabeth have any truth behind it? Do we have maybe any documentary proof of Mary wanting a relationship and Elizabeth turning her down? Or was this just a depiction or a rumor that was initiated after the fact to make Elizabeth look guilty for Mary, Queen of Scots, downfall? No, I, I, I don't think it was something that, that um, followed Mary, Queen of Scots' execution. But I, I think you have to stand back a little bit from... Um, some of the wording of um, this kind of, of rumour and, and uh, things that, that Mary may or may not have said uh, and consider what it might actually have meant in terms of, of 16th century queenship, basically, uh, because monarchs did tend um, to be polite to each other. Um, that there wasn't a great deal of verbal sparring. I mean, they may have, have been extremely rude about each other behind the scenes or even uh, out of sight of foreign ambassadors to courtiers. But I think the expressions that, that Mary made of wanting uh, a good relationship with Elizabeth uh, were not merely done out of any kind of familial um, you know, because they, they were distantly related, not out of any kind of familial aspect, but, but perhaps for more political reasons. You know, it was uh, in Mary's interest to get on well with another monarch, particularly if you, you look at the whole two queens in, in one aisle thing. And, and I, I think she felt it would enhance her position in Scotland uh, as well if, if she had an amicable relationship with Elizabeth. They did exchange portraits, of course, quite what they thought of each other. I think that from an artist's depiction, they uh, kept fairly quiet. And of <laughs> course, Elizabeth was possibly somewhat sensitive because she was a bit older than, than Mary. Uh, and Mary had this sort of international aura, if you like, of, of charm and, and attractiveness. I mean, her, her portraits as a young woman certainly bear that out. As she gets older, I'm, I'm not sure that she particularly looks that much of a stunner, but then neither did Elizabeth, really. So uh, I, I think um, these sort of overtures and approaches are part of queenship and, and diplomacy, though I'm not suggesting that they're totally artificial or, or even, you know, just flat out lies. Whether the two would ever have liked to have met is, again, another moot point. When you think about it, monarchs in those days didn't meet very often. And that wasn't, I think, just because of difficulties in travelling and, and the necessary arrangements that would have to be made. It's also because you both lose a bit of your mystique, I think, if you do actually meet each other. And there is the, always the possibility of, oh, my God, she is taller and better looking than me. Or, oh, my God, she is just more regal than I am or something like that. So uh, I, I think that there is a purpose behind it that is political as well as, well as just friendship. Mm -hmm. 
That's that's really, really interesting. I love that you that you bring up a little bit about their maybe like a personal rivalry there, because we do know, of course, that they were related. But like you said, it it wasn't an easy relationship. Can you tell us anything maybe about that personal relationship that the two of them had? I know you said that they exchanged portraits. Do we get any sort of insight into a, a personal relationship between the two of them in any of their letters or any of these sources or was it just something did they kind of keep each other at like at arm's length because think, of the political position they were in? I think there is an element of keeping each other at arm's length uh, I think Elizabeth's letters to Mary particularly if you take for example the, the rather sort of um, school headmistress type one that she sent to Mary after the the death of Lord Darnley uh, you know, uh, dear madam, this is not good for your reputation and all that. So I think poor Mary was probably perfectly well aware of that. It wasn't terribly helpful to have uh, Elizabeth making those kind of comments. And also it was all very well for Elizabeth to have declaimed that, you know, if, if uh, Darnley had come into her presence and stabbed her, her Italian secretary, within, uh, she would have attempted to knife him. I mean, it, it sounds good, but the reality, I think, would have been different. And one of the things that is often used in comparisons between these two women, and, and undoubtedly they were rivals, you're right, because how, how could they be anything else? You know, they're, they're on one island. Um, and it, it, also they have different religions, very different upbringings, of course, because Mary grew up in the opulent French court, whereas Elizabeth had a, an upbringing that, that was, I suppose, might almost be best described as chaotic, really. Uh, one of the things that you didn't talk about in relation to rumours about Elizabeth's pregnancies, and I'm probably I shouldn't go there, but I'm going to say it anyhow, is that, of course, the, the 1560s were not the first time that it had been rumoured that Elizabeth was pregnant. There is the whole Thomas Seymour uh, affair um, for a woman who almost certainly never gave birth, um, Elizabeth, you know, appears on one level to be scattering illegitimate children along the way, though uh, there isn't, I think, any reality to, to, to any of this. And I think Joanne's explanation of um, the supposed son with Robert Dudley is a very interesting one. I have to say it's one I'm not entirely familiar with, so I, I was very interested to hear that. But no, in terms of Mary and Elizabeth, History has certainly cast it as a, a difficult relationship and, and a, 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 an inevitable rivalry, with Mary sometimes appearing to be more needy in it, almost perhaps, than, than, than Elizabeth is. But I, I think they did see each other as rivals, and there was very good reason for them to do that. But it, that doesn't mean that the overtures for a better relationship weren't necessarily genuine. I think that's a good point. I think it's hard for us to separate because Elizabeth is just, I mean, she's such a huge figure who has even sort of reached like just mythological proportions um, in, in public memory, right. And in history, how we remember her. So it's hard to remember that she actually was an individual, a person who, who, like you said, you know, had these kind of complicated relationships. I like that you bring up Thomas Seymour because of course that's, you know, another layer that you can add onto Elizabeth. But I think it's, it's important to remember that she was a complex person. She was a human being uh, at the end of the day, you know, we might think of her as the Virgin Queen and as Gloriana, but she, she's someone who I think when we look at these rumors, we can kind of get a little bit more of an insight into who she was maybe as an individual, instead of just thinking about her as the monarch. So 
So thank you both for those uh, really illuminating responses to those questions. Oh, hey, it's Rebecca here. I'm sorry to interrupt the show. I just want to quick do a shout out to all of my patrons. And if you love the show, you want to hear more of it, want to show your support, please consider becoming a patron on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash tutors dynasty. Click become a patron to find out more info. We had some cool stuff coming up. So let's get back to the show. I do have one. I have one final question that I would like uh, for both of you to speak to a little bit, if you feel comfortable doing so, uh, because I think it, it brings together the rumors surrounding Robert Dudley, which we know, Joanne, you're an expert on that. And it brings together the rumors surrounding Mary Queen of Scots, which we know, Linda, you're an expert on that. So, so this is, this is the final question, just to kind of bring the two threads together. So did Elizabeth really propose that her great favorite, Robert Dudley, marry her great rival? Mary Queen of Scots? And if so, what, and I'm asking to speculate um, a little bit, what do you think her reasoning might have been behind such a proposal? Yeah, shall I attempt it first? <laughs> first John, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, first of all, I just, um, I, I muted myself, but I was sat here giggling with the illegitimate children being scattered along the way. I thought that was, <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the short answer is um, there. There was a proposal, or at least there there was one that was um, discussed. We have we have records of it. How sincere that proposal was, I think, is is a matter um, for some. Uh, well, it's a matter of contention, and and I'll I'll be interested um, in in Linda's point of view on it as well. But we have um, not only, and and I think this is an important point. Not only the suggestion that Robert might marry Mary, Queen of Scots, um, but that he and his brother might be split between the pair of them. Um, and we, we get this suggestion that uh, Elizabeth was, and, and I'll, I'll quote here, determined to take the one and to give Mary the other. But which one went where doesn't seem to have mattered <laughs> very much. Um, so they were going to split the Dudley brothers, uh, Ambrose and Robert, between them. And it wasn't just Elizabeth. We have Mary commenting on it as well. She says essentially, and, and this time I'll just paraphrase, that she wished that Ambrose was as good looking as Robert because each, then each queen could have one and they could, they could split them up, which, I mean, is, is a fantastic and hilarious image. And but doesn't, it seems to have been a joke sort of that they both enjoyed but does speak to this fear, I think, again, of, of a sort of Dudley supremacy. It's worth remembering, of course, that this is not that long after the Jane Grey episode. And of course, Jane Grey is, in fact, Jane Dudley. <laughs> um, there was an attempt to take the throne for the Dudley family. So these, these fears persist. But from Elizabeth's point of view, this sort of, uh, of an arrangement at least would have given her the benefit of some control. Both Ambrose and Robert uh, appeared to be very loyal servants to her. Uh, Ambrose had just come back from a campaign in France, for instance, and so would have given her that, that, that inroad into Scotland um, and a way of uniting the two kingdoms. But yes, I mean, as we, we laugh at it now and they may have laughed at it then. <laughs> Poor Ambrose. It's okay. Ambrose is not a very nice person. Justice okay. Speaking, okay. So I, I won't fine. feel, I won't feel bad for him then. <laughs> Linda, would you like to weigh in? Yes. I, I mean, I, I agree with what Joanna said. 
whether I don't think Elizabeth meant it as a serious proposal uh, and that it, it may have been intended partly to to embarrass Mary really I mean for for one thing suggesting that that uh, another queen regnant uh, marries someone rumored to be your lover it is <laughs> rather insulting uh, and there does seem to be some indication that, that Mary may have responded that way to it you know one thing I'd be interested in Joanne is that it is, it is true, isn't it, that Robert Dudley didn't want to marry Mary, Queen of Scots. It is, is there any truth to something? I'm sure I've read it somewhere that um, he, this was uh, one of the nefarious schemes of, of um, William Cecil, both on the one hand to be rid of Dudley <laughs> and on the other to make him look bad, whether he said yes or no. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know if we have very clear evidence whether what Robert really thought about it. Um, but yeah, this certainly falls into the, the category of time when and when Cecil, Cecil was trying to get rid of, of Robert. He had used, for instance, the death of Amy Robesart to his advantage to try to discredit Robert. Later on in life, they, they worked together quite a bit. But at this point, it's still there's still quite a bit of animosity. Later, Robert would be crucial in trying to arrange that near missed meeting um, between Mary Queen of Scots and Elizabeth. Um, so he, I think he tried to have his sort of his finger in the pie of, of, of Scotland and, and to make sure that he was integral to Scottish relations. But I, I, I don't know that he was happy about this proposal. What's very interesting is, is later, I think it's in his London home for which we have an inventory, that a sketch of, of the sort of the map of the death scene of, of Darnley, um, Mary Queen of Scots' uh, husband, um, is hanging in, in Robert Dudley's home, um, which I always like to think is, is his reminder of, of what could have could have been <laughs> had, had he actually ended up marrying the Queen of Scots and you know he dodged a bullet, as it were. So if we want to suggest that that, that is why that is in his home, then, then certainly um, he wasn't a fan of the proposal. But yeah, I don't know if there's any concrete evidence of that. And that's, it's, it's interesting. Maybe a proposal that would only benefit Elizabeth politically, but, but like you said, you know, maybe not personally, if she actually did have that kind of a relationship with Robert Dudley, which most people seem, you know, pretty sure that there was some kind of affection there uh, from Elizabeth to Robert and vice versa. But also I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it speaks to a lot of different aspects of the, the major players of this time period where, like you said, Joanne, it speaks to that Dudley ambition uh, and the pushback against that Dudley ambition. And then Linda, like you pointed out this, I mean, it, it seems like a maybe not even so thinly veiled insult uh, to Mary Queen of Scots for Elizabeth to propose that she marry someone who we know is, is pretty securely uh, in Elizabeth's pocket at the time uh, and someone that she, you know, wouldn't, I don't think necessarily have to worry about kind of turning against her if he did uh, marry, marry Queen of Scots. So it's an, it's an interesting uh, proposal and interesting to know that it is based in some historical fact, even if maybe it wasn't intended um, with, you know, as, as seriously uh, as it might appear. So thank you. Thank you both for talking a little bit about these rumors that surrounded Elizabeth. I think that this has been a really 
enlightening discussion that we've had to, to kind of shed some light on who Elizabeth actually was and a little bit of light on Mary Queen of Scots and uh, Robert Dudley, who of course I can't get enough uh, of any of those three people. So, so thank you both so much for taking the time uh, to chat about this and I, I really, really appreciate it. It's been great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.